It's said that everything is bigger in Texas. Well, hockey is no different. Right off the draw, Haskin and scores! Come see your Dallas Stars live and experience the Texas-sized hits, big-time goals, and the thrill of victory. Ben Marchment score! Join the excitement all season long. Visit DallasStars.com slash tickets today. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. Well, hello, hello, everybody. Mike, how many Stars games uh, have you covered? Wow. Uh, I had some uh, holes in there because I was the NHL reporter, but I- I'm saying over 2,000. All right, how many words have you written? Oh, jeez. Um, you know, back in the day, we would write a full gamer in full notes, so that would have been, I don't know, 2,000 words for each game. So right. let's go up. Let's go to 50,000. And... How many of those stories are you actually proud of? <laughs> Boy, not that many. There was, a, there was a day back in the day, and I, and I always tell you about this, uh, when you did the Emporium, and we, I mean, literally, we had to scratch and claw to make this team interesting. And some of those efforts, I thought, were actually pretty good. Yeah, well, you're, you're correct, especially on, on your side. I'm just kidding, of course. Uh, but I would <laughs> like to tell you, Mike, for the moment. Yes. Yes. Put your type, put your typewriter and your fax machine away. Okay. You know why? Uh, technology. Because this is the Podman Rush number seventeen, <laughs> presented by Truly Hard Seltzer, and we are all still basking in the afterglow of Jamie Ben's one thousandth regular season game. Nobody cares how many games I've broadcast or you've covered or written or whatever. What they do care about are when these players hit the 1K mark. And it I'll be honest with you, it was extremely enjoyable. Yeah. I think it was great that it was at home for one. Because some, you know, how how do you dictate it with with potential injuries and schedules and all this stuff that it actually happens where he's played all one thousand, well, not all one thousand, but the <laughs> the home side of his one thousand. Uh, in that arena, uh, and and it was just everything about it, and forcing him to to self reflect, I guess, a little bit, talk somewhat about himself, acknowledge the moment, and and all that. I just everything about it, I I found really really enjoyable. Yeah, the hockey god stepped in there when he took the penalty in overtime. Oh my and god. Then his team- his teammates had to go, uh uh-uh, not tonight. This ain't happening tonight. Yeah. And they did, and they got the shootout win, and I thought it was nice that Tyler got the quote-unquote game winner. Yeah. Because uh, they'd been together for so long. And, yeah. And, you know, kind of just a little, uh, here, buddy, I'll, I'll give you this one. Yeah. It was just everything about it was was pretty neat. The The fact the the team is pretty good, and, that, and, and it made me start thinking about uh, the team's more than pretty good. I'm just kidding. Yeah. The the uh, it, it got me thinking though about the most recent thousand gamers and just the odd 
circumstance. Speaking of, you know, these things don't always fall perfectly storybook like. Uh, you know, it would have been even better if Jamie had scored the winner in overtime because he's done that more than anybody else in franchise history. But do you remember like Pavelski and Corey Perry and Andrew Cogliano's 1,000? They played their 1,000 games in a Stars uniform. I, I think, wasn't Corey Perry's like game 12 as a Dallas Star? Yeah. Game 12. And I remember like we're, and it is, it's a remarkable achievement for the individual. And, and yet, you know, Corey Perry is one of the most hated players in stars lore from his days with the, the ducks. And here we are 12 games into it. I think we were in Calgary. I think we were in Calgary for his, and you know, we did tease was on Corey. We talked about him in the open and that, and then come back and they, they have the ceremony and, and that, but it was just kind of like, wow. Like it, it, it felt, it felt forced, right? Like you have yes, to do uh, this, it felt odd. <laughs> but you know, Joe would, would, you know, just, I don't know. It, they just, th- those ones seem weird. They seem odd when you do them. Yes. Yes. indeed. And then you have a guy that did, you know, played all 1000 for one franchise. I guess it just supports how rare this was for Jamie. Uh, and, and it was the one thing that he really truly did embrace and that is, and was proud of, is the fact that he's played a thousand all for the same team. Yeah, and I thought it was nice that the whole family was there. Jordy got the the week off, and and he was able to be yeah. up there. And yeah, uh, everything worked out. And you could see the smile on Jamie's face. Like that's he has fun out there, obviously, and it's just different than when he deals with the media. But when when they showed the picture of all the family. Uh, up in the box, uh, you could just see the glow in his face. And uh, well, the glow neat. in his face was from a week on the beach, though, Mike, <laughs> during the All Star break. Well, possibly. He probably hung around here and stayed in the nice cold. Uh, no, that was us morons that did that. Yeah. <laughs> so my most memorable from from his one thousand. I mean, it's tough to just pick a few because there's been so many. I I really enjoyed. Like we didn't get to broadcast even a sliver of of the vignettes that we had because that's what television yeah. does to us nowadays. But I got to see them. You know, we go in our 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 pre pro, it's a real insider jargon, and uh, and John Sponsler puts this stuff together in that, and and it was you know it was Jamie's nicest goals or some of. Uh, Jamie's big games, Jamie's this, Jamie's that, and and just watching, you know, a young pudgier faced Jamie Ben doing some of the things he did back in the day and all the way through. And that man, it was it was more enjoyable to go through that stuff than it was to actually call the game. It felt like, <laughs> but I I remember that six pointer. He and Sagan went nuts against the Flames, and that six point game, like. It stood up as the only or or the most recent six point game for like ever, like forever. I think Johnny Gaudreau finally had a six point game, uh, and and that was the that was the one after Jamie's, and it felt like it was like a decade later. Yeah, uh, the fight with Joe Thornton, just because there was such a theatrical lead up to it, it you know they were pretty good, San Jose. 
Jamie had the long hair, like a wild young colt. And they're sticking each other in the berries and, and picking the fight. And then away they go. And Jamie's having to whip his head to get the hair out of his eyes to, you know, punch where he wanted to punch or needed to punch. That one was memorable. Uh, the Art Ross season ender when he won the scoring title with a four-point game against Nashville. And it was it was, it was a juxtaposition of, of his game and John Tavares playing, and they were jockeying for the, the scoring lead in the NHL, the Art Ross Trophy, and, and he ends up getting it with four points. He gets an assist off his skate. It's the second assist. Trevor Daly did all the heavy lifting on that uh, to, get it, to get it done. Uh, and then the stick snap tantrum on the bench in Buffalo. Do you remember that? I do. It was if you want to look, it, it it's not all uh, icing on, on the cake and and puppy dogs and rainbows in a thousand games. There have been some dark moments too, and that was a dark moment in Buffalo. He basically just took every stick that he had taped up for the game. I forget how many he went through. What did he go through? Four or five? Probably yeah. on that road trip. I mean, he just stood there grabbed a stick, snapped it over his knee, grabbed the next stick, snapped it over his knee, grabbed another one, snapped it over his knee. <laughs> it, was, it was about his in-game mad. Uh, you know, usually Jamie takes it out on somebody on the opposition instead of his own his own tools, but uh, he did that that night. So th- those were those were some of the ones that really stuck out in, in my mind about him, but there was so many, so much video of him you know, the dainty barbarian, a, a guy that, yeah. that could dangle. Like the goal he scored last game was vintage Jamie. Like if he just scored that one in game 1,000, I think I'm, I would have lost it. <laughs> uh, but, but, but that along with, with the toughness, uh, the bargy, you know, just I'm going to go through you if I can't go around you approach to things. That, that's, that's what I think of when I think of Jamie. Yeah, I had a couple. Uh, remember how many shorthanded goals he used oh, to get? Oh, yes. Where he would just pick a guy's pocket and off he went. And then he would finish. That's like true Dowdy. <laughs> yeah, the dainty barbarian. Then obviously the Aginla fight. Uh, just, you know. Uh, yeah, I couldn't bring former. that one up. I couldn't bring that one up because he's Kamloops Blazer. So Kamloops guy. I had to just uh, pass and that then one. The, to me, and again, talk about the saddest moment, is the almost goal in St. Louis in overtime. Uh, to me, that was, if that would have gone in, who knows what would have happened? You know, obviously yeah, the, yeah. the Blues wouldn't have won the cup, but I mean, would the Stars have at least had a chance? And I mean, it, to me, I can't remember the exact amount that went over, but it looked like about 70% of the puck went over the line. Yeah. See, I for these 1,000 game things, I always separate regular season from playoffs. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I, I always go through and just pick, stuff that happened in the regular season. The playoffs is its own animal. And you're really not, if you want to add that stuff, he's well over a thousand oh, games yeah, played with, with that. Uh, yeah. I mean that, that him sitting in that room in Edmonton at the end of the bubble, yep. last guy in the room and just absolutely crushed, yep. crushed. Uh, well, and that kind of shows what he is to the team too, that moment. And then how much, his teammates wanted him to get the Art Ross. Like, I mean, he was there. He wanted it, obviously. 
But yeah. I think everybody on the bench wanted it more than he oh, did. Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime somebody's got the... I, I've been very proud of individuals in in our organization and through the years with that. Remember when Marty could have... He could have just sat out the last game of the season and set the... Yeah. Was it save percentage or goal? I think it was, I think goals, it was against. goals against. I thought it was goals against. Maybe it was. Uh, and he was like, nope, I want to play. I'm going to play. And he, he could have lost it. Yep. And and he played he played great. And Jamie, yeah, I mean, there was they weren't going to the playoffs. It was their sort of their crescendo that season. And the yeah, the look, you, you can't do it by yourself. You need teammates and he's a pop he's as popular a teammate as we've seen here through his tenure. Uh and the yeah, going for the, the ceremony and the silver stick that they get uh is upcoming in March. Yes. Uh it's delayed. Delayed delayed because of the they couldn't get the stick. Uh, I, I, the way it was explained to me is they negotiated with Jamie as to what would be the best game for him and his family and everyone. Oh, good, 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 good. That makes, I think that's, it was his choice. That makes more sense. Uh, I was wondering whether, you know, what they'd be doing with that, considering that he, that he played 1000 at home. I mean, there was full video and family was here and all the only difference is going to be. They'll put a carpet out and give him a silver stick. <laughs> and then the biggest thing, I wonder what the guys will get him. That's a very interesting question. Aren't you aren't you intrigued? That warm up was awesome. Hey, yes. look, I I I I thought it was letter perfect from start to finish that night. The only thing that was missing in there, and in a way it was apropos that he didn't pick up a point in the game, because that's how he started. His very first game. Back in 09, he played on a line with Mike Ribeiro and and Brendan Morrow. So it was it was 14, uh, 63, and 10. And in game 1,000, he played on a line with Wyatt Johnston and Ty Delandria. So it was 14, 53, and 10. And they won in a shootout way back then. And they won in a shootout in game 1000. It's just like a perfect bookend to this thing. Yeah. Uh, for him. And, and uh, you know, they come out there. I, I, we had a shot. We get a camera feed from the dressing room. And we had a shot. And I could see a lot of guys slicking their, like getting their hair wet. And I know that we only have, what do we have? Four, four or five guys with no helmets and warm up. Yeah. I think it's, it's about not that. not much anymore. No, it's like Colin Miller. Uh, Tyler, Pavelski, Jamie. Is there another one? Not that I know of. Used used to be Klinger. He was always a no bucket guy. Um, but but the I'm watching guys and they're all wetting their hair in there and I'm like, oh, something's up here. And then I turned and I said, I wonder whether they're all going to go no bucket in honor of their captain. No helmet warm up. Sure enough, out they come. Jake and everybody. Jake did a power lap with no uh, mask on <laughs> out there and then got started, but they all had no helmet. They all had it slicked back and they all taped their sticks like Jamie, who has been ripped through the years for having the worst tape job in the NHL. It's like two wraps near the toe and he's done. 
which is so Jamie Ben, right? It's like, yes. I'm not going to get all into this. I'll just, you know, put a little tape on here and, and go, hey, look, back in the day, Bobby Orr didn't have any tape on his stick whatsoever. So, <laughs> um, so that I, I thought, I thought that was just absolutely awesome. I really did. I, I, I love stuff like that. No, I would agree 100%. And, you know, the fact that they put that much time and thought into it, uh, again, says something about how they feel about their captain. Uh, and then I, it was funny uh, talking to some of the players uh, about how they handled the puck with it. And, like, Tyler was like, I have no idea how he, how he does <laughs> Oh, did you see? They, he, his was the one that I noticed in, in warm-up. Almost immediately, the tape was unraveling. Yes. You know, like it was a mess immediately because he just has no idea. He's the right. polar opposite. He probably spends an hour in there with that that candy cane striping of the <laughs> shaft and the stick itself and everything. Oh, God. Good fun. Good fun. So Jamie has been captain for longer uh, as far as tenure than any other C in franchise history. And at 33, he's showing that there's a lot left in the tank with two more years left on his current contract. Uh, but it, so look, with all that, it is wildly premature to even even pose the next question, which would be, but, I, but at some point, there's going to be a next captain of the Dallas Stars, right? Yeah. Like, who is the next captain? Who did, you know, he took it from Brendan Morrow. Uh, which is was like a perfect baton tossed of the uh, of the captaincy, and and now you got to start. You know, J- he's not twenty three; he's thirty three. Uh, who knows? You might have another. He might have another seven or eight years left in him. Uh, the way it's going right now, and and uh, as long as he's here, he's the captain. There's no question about that. Uh, but I, I just wonder. Um, and and speaking of Moro, it. it Kind of sad that he never got to a thousand, right? Yeah. That well, he never... and that's another interesting thing about Jamie. He's only missed forty-five games. I know. And you look at what Brendan had to go through, and yeah. just a physical toll. And Jamie does a lot of the same things, and it's just amazing that you know, knock on wood, that he's been this durable. That was one of the things that that I brought up the other night. Just he's played ninety-six percent of the games of the possible games that he could have played in his career, 96%. Yeah. And you're talking about a guy that had both hips done. And you know damn well that he's played a lot of games, a lot of games where he was all bent and dinged up. And it's just like, no, I'm good to go. No, I'll go. No, I'm good to go. That's why when I see some of these guys that are like... <laughs> I'm not I'm not feeling well tonight. I'm under the weather and and they don't go and right. and oh I got you know it just doesn't feel 100%. So I'm not going to push it tonight and they sit out a game. You know or or even the even the fact that he hasn't been suspended that much. Yeah. And and miss games that way, right? Yeah, he's uh, got the respect of the league. Yes. Yes. But but with Morrow, like he, what was he? Was he nine ninety five? Is that right? Uh, I can't remember after the something like that. I think he blames Tampa Hitch. Yeah. He blames Hitch for that. Just scratching him too to much. <laughs> but but he went he went chasing a cup, right? Like out of here, yep. where he went, you know, Pittsburgh and St. Louis and uh, Tampa, right? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, Jamie's lucky that the team around him is a contender and appears to be one for years to come here right now, where you're not looking at at a 33-year-old captain of a, a team that their better days are behind them and you're looking at at least a, a retool, if not a rebuild. Like it, it's being, it, it's around him. Like he, he's, he's got a squad here right now. So I think it's a, it's a tough question to answer. I, I personally like homegrown captains. I like franchises that, that value captaincies. And that's what we have here. You know what I mean? Like some of these franchises have come along and, and they're like, no, we're going to, we're just going to have A's um, or we're going to rotate the C around. No, you don't rotate the C around. You have a captain. I don't believe in that. In that, you you can share leadership, and and there's obvious value in that. But if you have the right guy wearing the C, it, he he's probably leading within the group or from the bottom up within them. He's not looking down and peering down his nose imperiously at them and and thinking, well, you do what I tell you to do, and I'm the man, and all that. You got the wrong guy if the, if that's what you have wearing the C for you. So who's the next guy? <laughs> long I don't know. Question. I don't um, know. It's funny. I know a lot of people don't look at him in this manner, uh, but the All-Star Weekend kind of gave me new insight into Jason Robertson because uh, they asked him uh, what would he be doing uh, if uh, he wasn't at the All-Star game. He goes, I'd be home with my family. And I thought, well, one, that's interesting. Then they asked him about going to the beach and, you know, he grew up in California and he goes, yeah, I don't think it's right to be at the beach during hockey season. Like, it's a goofy answer, but at the same no, time. No, it's a it says, great answer. Yeah. Like, he has this level of this is the right way you do things. And if you watch him at practice, if you watch him just conduct himself at things like the All-Star Game, he he believes there's a right way to do things. And then he can do it on the ice as well. So I kind of like Jason Robertson as a potential next captain that's it that, that's an excellent excellent point and and candidate yeah it re- it really is that uh, not a lot of people would probably think of but but you're right he loves hockey oh my god like he loves Maybe hockey. more than anybody on the team and that's hard to say because a lot of them really do but this guy watches every game like he lives hockey yeah and and he's he's going to be on the ice when when things are are in the balance all the yeah. time. Uh, I I don't really have an answer. I don't even have a candidate to be honest with you. I'm not good at this. Uh, and and again, I think it's I think it's probably premature. It's it's too far away. You don't know whether that person is yeah. here now or not. But if you, I mean, if you're looking at the pool of players now, I'm sure people out there can pick their uh, favorite that they would say would make the best choice for that. I I just believe that you don't import your captains; that it has yeah. to be, or it should be, someone that you drafted and they grew up in your franchise and hopefully learned from the right type of people. Uh, and obviously the young crew that's coming in now are learning from the right type of people. And it's not just Jamie. Uh, they, there's, there's some, you know, Pete DeBoer talks about it all the time and I concur that there's pretty good leadership with this, 
with this group. You can't, I'll say this though, you can't make goaltenders captains, which is 100% BS. Like, I agree. Like, I, you I, should, you should be able to, like, a lot of I times go full Kucherov with this. Yeah. It's number one BS. It's always about goaltenders when you go number one BS. <laughs> uh, there, there was a time when, when you were allowed to do it, but I mean, what, what was the argument back in the day that they, they couldn't wear the C because it looked like the puck? I mean, uh, I don't know if it was that one. Oh, it was. I, oh, it was. The one I heard was. It know, was. That was back uh, when there wasn't high definition television and there wasn't video review and it was in black and white and all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah you may be right. Uh, the I'm one not I maybe they, right. They, I am right, Mike. What are you talking not about? Easily available to the officials, uh, whether they're not playing the game that night or they have to come all the way over to discuss something at the whatever that thing yeah, is it, called. Around. Yeah, that's that's a huge part. It it doesn't it doesn't make as much sense. There was a time when they could be captains though, but they had to sew the C on the inside of their jersey. You probably <laughs> didn't know that, but I do. I did not know that. Well, now you do. That's what yeah. I'm, I'm here to share that stuff. So, so the, your best candidate is Jason Robertson. Yep. So how much MVP talk should Robertson be getting right now? Forget about captaincy talk. What about just MVP of the league talk right now for Jason Robertson, who has pretty much a 20 point lead in scoring on a first place team? Yes. That that I hope people recognize and realize that little statistic that I think has gone grossly underreported. He doesn't just lead the team in scoring; like he leads the team in scoring by twenty points. The last time that we had anybody around here that did that was uh, like two thousand nine ten. So what's that? A long time ago. Would that have been Brad Richards when he had 90 points? Yeah, Rich, Brad Richards over Louis Erickson. They played on the same line. It's sort of right. similar to, to now. I think I think we kind of underreport how great a player Brad Richards was, too. Yes. Like, he was – that that was a good that, – that was an extremely good hockey player. Weird times and all that, but, man, he, he was a player. He was a player. Uh, but you got Robertson here now with a 20-point lead in, in team scoring. And I'd say I'd say he deserves more. He, garner, he should garner more MVP talk. He's a pretty valuable guy. I agree to some extent, but having had to do the voting, um, it's really hard because you've got uh, McDavid and you've got uh, Carlstrom and you've got, you know, there's just some guys whose numbers are just off the chart. Great. But again, that doesn't mean that Jason shouldn't be in the top five. Uh, yeah, I guess. And then your argument has to come in about does your MVP have to be on a, a winning team, team yeah, or a, a playoff team. team? Correct. I think you should be the most valuable player on a good team. Like how valuable are you if your team doesn't make the playoffs? You know what I mean? Well, like you win the scoring title by 20 points like McDavid. And what if the Oilers don't make the playoffs? I still think he's probably the MVP. I don't. I don't. Okay. I think he's the MVP of that team. Yeah. I, I don't know. think he's the MVP of the league. 
He Should might be, be the player of, should it be yes. player of the year? Yes, I think they're different. I, I think you can be you can be the best player. Uh, there's a best player award out there, uh, but but you're not necessarily the MVP. It's most valuable player. So like I, I always get into this debate with people, and I, I'm like, so if that player was taken off that team, w- would they have? would they have changed their position in the in the standings in the league like if you if you were a playoff team and you took him off are you a non-playoff team yeah. if you're a non-playoff team and he's on or he's not you're a non-playoff team it doesn't really matter you didn't make the playoffs you're not a good team right yes and no because nah, yeah, yeah. i know all right let me give you a debate i'm making fart noises I hear that. Let me give you a quick debate okay. that you will have trouble with. Is Jason Robertson the most valuable player on this team right now? Because uh, I would make the argument that it's Jake Ottinger. Yeah, but you can't pick goaltenders. You can For never MVP? pick. No, you can't. Because you'd pick him well, every year. Dominic Koscik. You'd pick him every year. That. Mike, you'd pick him every year. Every year. I agree, year. but I'm just saying... If you're talking about the value, I mean, it is it, it, the difference between player of the year and most valuable player makes this a very difficult award. Yeah. To yeah. But they out. have, again, there's an award for the best goaltender in the league. Right. There's an award for the highest scorer, too. Yes. Yeah. But it's not the best center. True. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Um, so you, you, I think you need to, as much as it pains me, you need to take goaltenders out of the debate because out of 32 teams, the MVP, it's changed a little bit. I think it, it, it's lessening, but there was a time when like 25 of the MVPs in the league would have been the number one goaltenders for yeah. those teams because yeah. if you took right. the guy away, where would you be at? But that position doesn't relate to the any other position – in the game. So I, I think if you remove that, th- these are, these are my bumpers. This is my parameters. You remove goaltenders and you remove uh, teams, players on teams that don't make the playoffs. That that's the, your, your, your people have to come from that group. Okay. Then they have to be, so you're choosing from 16 teams with no goaltenders. Unless, and, and here's my outlier on goaltenders. Like, the reason that Hashik was deemed most valuable, I mean, everybody in the league had a, had a goals against, or a save percentage of, like, 90. And, and his was 94%. And it doesn't even sound as big when you say it as it actually is. Like, that, that's like having everybody in the, or, or the top scorer, you're the you're top goal scorer in the league, and you scored 90, and everybody else scored 40 or less. Like, then you'd be like, yeah, he was probably, yes. And they're a playoff team because he scored that many goals. He's the MVP of the league. It was that kind of thing. But, look, Jake Jake could be the captain. Jake could be the MVP yeah. of this team. Jake, could, You have to remove it. You have to remove yeah. it as much as it pains me because everything, everything should should just drill down or distill to goaltending. Everything. I agree. All right, here's a couple numbers. So currently McDavid is 18 points ahead of the second best score. 
Yep. And then uh, 41 goals to boot. Yep. Two, the next best candidate, if you want to say that Dreisaitl's out of the picture, uh, might be uh, Pasternak, who has 38 goals and 72 points. Mm-hmm. So those are great numbers. He's playing on the best team in the league, but he's more than 20 points behind McDavid. Yeah. So then is he is he the guy who should get it if, oh, if the oh, I'm Oilers sorry. don't make the playoffs? I'm sorry, Mike. Are, are, is, is everything uh, just predicated on points and goals? Well, when the people what are you, voting, yeah. What are you that's, voting that's what for the Norris doing. Trophy as the best defenseman, as the guy that has the most points that plays defense? I, I always gave the Selkie Cockamimi. Trophy to a guy a who had joke. like uh, Yeah, the highest goals. scoring. Uh, that No, that that's the Lady Bing. The Lady Bing. Didn't get very many penalty minutes, tons yep. of points. It always goes yep. to points. Yep. Like even the Selkie. You're right. Like the Selkie now is a guy that's – Pretty good at, at defense, real healthy plus minus, and a ton of points. Yep. What a joke. And then you and then you question me. I do. I'm just going with the uh, with the uh, accepted ways and norms of the voting community. Yeah. Like like you speak of the Bruins, like the MVP of their team is Bergeron. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, like. And all Mark's numbers are pretty good too. Yeah, but there's two of them. True. Yeah. Yeah, but he's leading the league. And again, you're you're sucking me back in. All right, move on. Trade deadline is picking the roster for the all star team. (laughs) I don't I don't even understand your analogy. I'm just because it's so ridiculous. I think Robo's gonna get he's gonna get some talk. I think he's gonna get some talk. I think he deserves it. I agree. I really do. Uh, trade deadline is three weeks away. Yep. Ish. Yep. Let's play a little fantasy reality. What do the stars need? What do they need before I this believe they, they deadline need hits? One extra forward uh, who can help Tyler Sagan uh, and mm. get that line up and running. They were um, pretty good the other night. They were pretty good the other night. And, and Dennis... Dennis is so frustrating because you saw that burst of speed and you're like, holy cow, this guy is 6'3", 205, first round draft pick. He can skate like that. And then you look down at the stat sheet and he's got two goals. So I don't know what you do with, you know, I know there are people in the organization who are like, well, that's the guy we need. Why would we trade for anybody when we've got Dennis Garyanov? Uh So it's a, it's, Really good question, but they've had what five years to try and turn him into that guy. But I just think him going someplace else would be best for him and best for the franchise. And then bring in somebody who's like Dennis Garyanov, but maybe can fit here. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. I I I will say this in my fantasy reality world: that they could use a top six forward with skill. Yes, like a like a veteran guy. I'm I'm still a believer in if you can onboard a player that has won. How many how many guys do they have on this roster that have won? I don't think if there's anybody. Yeah. Now people have been to the final, but yeah, yeah, it's not winning. I th- I think there's still value in that. I I really do. Uh, and just because it's been, 
it, it, look, they're, they, they seem like they're a deeper team than they have been, but it feels like they should be more deeper. <laughs> How's that for awful English? No, I agree with that. Yes. You know what I mean? And, and, and part of it is like, like Mason Marchman started like a house on fire and, you know, I think, I think Marchman and, and Gurianov both have had to deal with, uh, you know, just the, the baggage and the, and the, the weight of, of dealing with some, uh, personal stuff. Uh, you know, Dennis left the team for a little while to deal with a, a family matter and, and Marchman was well-documented, lost his dad, Brian, uh, in the summer. And, and that's real. That's oh, yeah. they're, they're humans. And, uh, you know, we can't understand what they're, they're going through in that, but that's why when you see the flashes in that, you're just, and I'm sure the coaches are no different in management. Like if we could just get it on a more consistent base basis, it, it would really help things. And maybe you wouldn't be uh, glancing side eye here and there at, right. at what you can add because it's not easy. The cap situation and not wanting to give up uh, assets going forward or too many of them. Uh, but, but it just seems like they, they could use – they they could use that that guy a legitimate top six and again there's teams are just giving those types of individuals away and they're so easy to go and get <laughs> but but for me that that would that would be a nice addition up front and I think they need or could use a a top four defenseman with some size um, you know like I thought the big rig I thought Jamie Alexiak was was really spreading his wings here that year we played with Haskinen was really good and a nice fit. Yep. You know, just, just a little edge and obvious size. I mean, he's a hulking human being, uh, but he can skate, he can make plays. Uh, you know, he would, he go 13th or 14th overall his draft year yeah, somewhere like in there. Anyway, like, you know, like a, those guys, they don't get drafted that high of just being big. And, if you if you look at the stars D and they've played really well, like I, I think Elaine Nazruddin has done uh, excellent work not only on the penalty kill but with them, and and they've they've done well as as a group of seven. You know when Hanley stepped in, he's played he's played well, uh, but you know legitimate upper end top four guys like Miro obviously. Uh, and probably Essa, and then everybody else is is like kind of on the edge of that, right? Like they're 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 like mid mid to bottom of your of your six man defense core individuals. Now the collective's been really good, and a guy like Niels Lundqvist is obviously trending in that direction to be a top four guy, but he's so green and. He probably needs to add a little bit of strength and along with the experience. Uh, and then because like everybody else in, in spurts and spots, they've all looked like that guy. But you need yeah. you, you, you need legitimate, legitimate count on two way side. I mean, again, these guys are so easy to get. They're so easy to onboard. Nobody's looking for a defenseman this time of year, Mike. <laughs> None of them. But in a fantasy reality space, that that would be that would be on my list. Those, if you could, if you could 
some way finagle adding that without giving up. And, and again, you, you don't want to give up stuff off your team right now. Your team's first overall in the Western Conference. So th- this is add to maybe a little bit of, of a, here's an orange for an orange and maybe, you know, the, your orange, maybe it's a tangerine and we're looking for more <laughs> tangerine over here. Or, <laughs> or maybe it's apple for apple and, and instead of a, a red delicious, we need a Macintosh. Or a Granny Smith, that kind of thing, right? Maybe it's we're something not, I haven't even I haven't even thought yeah, of, thought like, about yet. Like we're, we're not we're not saying we're not saying that this this red delicious is 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 terrible or full of worms. We're just saying right now, right now, we would like a Granny Smith. That's like that's the kind of apple myself. we need for our recipe yeah. for our recipe. Yeah. 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 Um, one, I think Jim Nell agrees with you. He's always talking about defensive depth. And I think because they're at, they are a group of six, the fear is in the playoffs. If you lose one, even, and especially two that you really are compromised. So if you have too many defensemen, I think that's something he, uh, uh, really agrees with you. Yeah. On. I mean, uh, how many, is, go ahead. I'm sorry. I said the problem is, is they have no cap space. So they're, you know, they. This frustrates me, and it is, you know, God love Mark Janko. He does a, a hard job. But the fact they have to send a player to the minors for two days, so they can save whatever that cap hit is, it, they are really close, and it it limits your, what you can do as far as what goes in and what comes out. What kind yeah. of apple you could buy? There, well, that's crab apples you're talking about. Then if <laughs> we're dealing with that, the. Uh, I was just going to say, look, every team would – I think it was the first uh, L.A. Kings Cup. What year was that? God, terrible with it. 11, 12? Oh, yeah. All goes together. They played the same six defensemen the entirety of the playoffs. Wow. They used six D-men. That never – well, I can't say it never happens because it happened that year. But it rarely happens. Yes, uh, you you can't have enough of of that. And look, Thomas Harley's an all-star in the American Hockey League yeah. this year. Like he, he's he's going to be a really good NHL defenseman, you know. And they're they're doing the exact right thing with him. Let him dominate down there. Learn the position, the pro position, where you can't just grab the puck and make things happen offensively. They have to be able to count on you uh, defensively and. Uh, so it, there, there's a little bit more depth there, but uh, you, you know NHL experience depth and young, uh, up and coming depth are two different things, right? So yes. Anyway, we'll find out. The uh, you know players are moving already. Tarasenko's gone to those New York Rangers, as uh, the St. Louis Blues and our old friend Doug Armstrong have uh, officially. Pulled the plug on the season as if <laughs> as if we didn't know, but uh, yeah, they're they're they might end up with the Stars' first round draft pick this summer because of that deal. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's funny how things move around. So anyway, uh, Mike, this year I I don't expect the box of chocolates and the Valentine from you that I've received in in recent years. Take a year off. Thank you. You've earned that, uh, and I don't need it. 
But it, Valentine's is upcoming in how many days away are we? Like four days away. It's Tuesday. So whatever that is. Whatever well, that, Tuesday. Many days in. Yeah. Tuesday is Valentine's Day. And it, it makes me think about what, what I, I love. Obviously, my family and my wife, Kristen, I have to say that, contractually obligated, year in and year out. Uh, there's two things upcoming on, on the 14th of, of uh, the month. One is Valentine's Day. Who or, or what do you love, Mike? Do you want me to run through my list? Because I can run through sure, a list yeah, pretty quick. Sure, yeah, go through yours. Uh, I love rare yet descriptive words. I love rinks with center lines that don't defile the logos on the ice. I love organic fan participation. Organic fan participation. I love organ music on the occasional whistle. I love players that get up, get mad, park the anger, and then get even. After getting smoked with a big hit. Those, those are the ones I truly love. Get up. Get mad. Park the anger. Then get even. At some point in the contest. To that end, I love Jacob Truba hits. <laughs> I do. It reminds me of a, a league that is becoming more and more fuzzy from years ago. I love no bucket warm up guys, and that's fading. You know they're grandfathering in a rule that that you can't do that anymore. Pretty soon everyone's going to have their helmet with their visor, hopefully their chin straps done up as they warm up for the game. But I love the guys right now that get out there and and rock the no bucket look. We we used to look down back and, and we would count how many guys had no buckets on, and I always picked the team. And with gambling potentially coming in, this would have been a, a great razor uh, tidbit. Pick the team that has more no-bucket guys in warm-up. I'm telling you. I think it was 100% on that one. Uh, warm-up. Speaking of warm-up, I love warm-up music. Uh, mostly. I really love warm-up music and the environment in warm-up in Vegas. There's none better. That is the best warm-up in the league. U.S. players, U.S. people that travel there. We're going back there next week, too, aren't we? Yes. That is good fun. I love glove saves with a little cheek and sass with them because it's really the only theatrical save that goaltenders make anymore. Everything else just looks all blocky. But the glove save, little sass. I love the sound of a puck off a pipe. Always have. You know, if you're a former netminder like myself, there's a different sound to a puck going off a pipe on the inside of the pipe than there is a puck going off a pipe dead on or on the outside of the pipe. You may not believe me, but it's true. And any goaltenders out there will know what I speak of. I love the chirp emotion between the benches in games, you don't get it a lot anymore. I think mostly it's it, they all love one another down there, and it's it's just uh, I I see you. Uh, isn't this fun? We're making tons of money. Love playing hockey, but when it gets real every now and then, 
And and there's there's some vulgar, profanic chirping going on between benches. I love that. Love it. Love three-on-three overtime when it really gets unbridled. When it gets unbridled. Like when they're not taking it back out into the neutral zone and swinging around and trying to get a change in and then reattacking. Then there's nothing there. We're going to go back out to center ice again and come back in again. I, I can remember years ago watching an exhibition game in Sweden between two Swedish elite teams, uh, pro teams. And it was, it, if you'd asked me, okay, we're going to paint this wall and I want you to sit in this chair and watch it dry or go and watch that, I'd have chosen the chair and the wall of paint. It was that bad. And it, this is turning into that a little bit. Remember in the early stages of three-on-three being introduced? They didn't know what they were doing. So it was like, oh, apparently there's lots of room. Let's go try to score. Oh, didn't score. Well, let's go try to score. Didn't score. Let's go down. Scored. And it was just wild. It was nuts. And now it's controlled. And I hate to say it, but coached. And I truly love this Valentine's Day, 14th of February, 2023. The fact that the Dallas Stars are in first place in the Western Conference. Mike, what do you love? I love your observations, Daryl. I think you pretty much covered everything. Uh, I had a couple. uh, They overlap with some of yours. Uh, The one I think is funny is the glove save. I love how Jake flips a puck to the face-off circle. Just so mm-hmm. cocky and nonchalant, but you know, at the same time, not you know, not angry. Just eh, there, you go. You, you like need to be one? better. You know what it says? You need to be yeah, better. Does, you does, need to yeah. be better than that. You need to be better than that. It's almost disgust. It's like you think that's beating my glove. Oh, no, come on. you need to be better. So that's probably uh, the main one I came up with that you didn't cover. Uh, one, I love the fact the team is doing well. Uh, I love the fact that they wore white at home yes. uh, for a couple games there. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, I, I like the fact that the team, the player, the sorry, the fans are getting into this, and and I look forward to March and April. And I always tell my friends that this is like NCAA basketball. That a lot of times people don't care until the playoffs, but once the playoffs get here. They care a lot, and and I like when everybody cares a lot about our sport, and I'm very much looking forward to that. So, you know, I love the fact that you can come in with those observations. That's what I love. Well, I appreciate that, Mike. Uh, obviously, you don't love your family. You didn't mention them. Uh, they're they're so. okay. I, I like the dog. <laughs> I like the dogs. My lovely wife Melinda, yes. Meredith, Alex. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, that's good yeah. too. No, they are. They are. You know what else is going down, though, on the 14th of uh, February? No. Stars Bruins. Wow. At American Airlines Center. Best in the West meets best in the NHL. Monty makes a return as head coach to Dallas. Seggy plays yet another against the team that Drafted him and moved him along in, in 2013. A, a bold and fruitful move by uh, GM Jim Nilt 
back then, and you see the body of work that Segi's put in in Dallas, and it's intriguing as he's matured where he's at in uh, his game and career and and the, some of the guys that he learned from, in, in particular Patrice Bergeron, still clicking along with, with those Boston Bruins. I think it's, it's, it's always going to mean something to Tyler, these games against them. I know it's faded and all that, but it, it's, it, it's still there. There's still some there. I, I think he likes to test himself when he's playing center, too, and, and playing straight up against Bergeron, the, just the absolute paragon of two-way center iceman. Uh, the game in Boston between these two teams really didn't mean too much. Like, I, I, how much do you take from that? What was that? Like game five? It feels like it was like game five. Yeah, it five seems like it was something. forever. Yeah. But if you go uh, back take, to it, I don't take much at all. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they played the night before in, uh, Ottawa and you know, travel and cross the border and, and get in. I remember it was just a gross day in Boston like it was pouring rain and yeah and just dreary and crappy and they went and uh Merrill Haskinen didn't play he was he was injured so he wasn't in the game uh it it just it was a game and they could have won it they, they they hung around a little bit and that they didn't have the greatest of first periods but they hung around and 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 had some chances and that but but couldn't win it but this one, this one's going to be intriguing because we're at where we're at and the playoffs are approaching fairly rapidly. And I always think between games 40 and 60, you kind of know what you're all about. So right now a game, that'll be game, what, 55 or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the Bruins are the Bruins. They're the best team in the league. You can't argue against it. Look at the numbers, and I'm sure the analytics and everything else bear it out. Uh, but the stars have proven a lot of peop- to a lot of people that they are legitimately who they are right now. And they, these two uh, teams are one-two. It's a fairly sizable drop, but they are one-two in defensive games, one-two in yes. goals against. Uh, and both are top ten in, in offense. It's just a, a dreamy little matchup for – for uh, Valentine's Day, I, I doubt there'll be much love between the two squads. I, I would hope not. I would think you know a lot of times, especially you wags, like to trot out there. Is this a measuring stick game? Are you going to measure yourselves against them? I think this is one of those. I think this is one of those games where you you truly will get a sense of where you're at. I, I think this is one of those. I'm with you. I look forward to this one. Uh, I'm very impressed with what Monty has done. Uh, we were talking the other day about coaches who like to coach, and I'm with you. Sometimes things get overcoached. Uh, but the great thing about him when he was here is he put thought into every single mm-hmm. coaching decision. And yeah. it seems to be paying off for him right now. And then, like you said, I mean, all the numbers say that these are two of the best teams in the league. So why wouldn't you want to see this matchup, especially, you know, as we uh, celebrate our love for one another. Yeah, yeah. I love the game. I, I love that game. That's what I I draw big heart around it with a, with a lipstick smooch right on it. How's that? You, you can do that on TV, right? Yeah, I think I can. 
I think I can. That's it. Huh? That's enough. Oh, yeah. That's it for this week's Podman Rush brought to you by Truly Hard Seltzer. I guess we'll be back to unpack that love-in of the Bruins and Stars. Uh, Back with that and a fresh, barely ripened and nectarous apple of a PR next week. So until then, uh, I'm Razor for Mike. Chin chin. You've been listening to the Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray presented by Truly Hard Seltzer, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today. Gear up for game day and every day at the Hangar Team Stores. From hats to jerseys, tees, and more, the Hangar has the best selection of official Stars gear for every fan. For a location near you or to shop online, visit HangarHockey.com.